we're good. <clears throat> All right, so, whew. so I, I guess we should say what we've been doing the last couple weeks. Uh, for, for those that are guests or just haven't been here a couple weeks, um, the Lord has just been taking us on uh, studying the heroes of faith uh, that are outlined in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, but we're not going to keep ourselves necessarily just to the characters of Hebrews 11. Essentially, learning uh, about uh, the mighty men and women of faith, and the scriptures say that their stories, that they are witnesses, that they still speak to us. And so that's what we're doing, and uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, I don't know, we're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit, uh, maybe a couple weeks, maybe half a year, we just wait on the Lord and see what he says. And so, you know, we, we're talking about the heroes of faith, what the importance of understanding these stories then last week, uh, we began to uh, study really the first hero of faith, I, I, I guess, in, in the Bible, uh, and that's going to be uh, Abel, uh, who offered himself, or really offered up sacrifices unto the Lord. So that's what we were doing, and, and now we get to do the, uh, the next hero of faith, which I'm really excited about because I always wanted to teach on this character, and uh, I've never really heard a message on him. So let's, let's talk about it. Uh, it's Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. There's not a lot to be said about it. Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 says, And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's it. That's it. Now, there's some other references. Jude. Uh, Jude has references to Enoch. Um, and Hebrews 11 does as well. And so we're going to look into this. So, uh, Sharon, if we can go to the, uh, the second slide. Because the first slide I was supposed to do at that point. But, oh, well. All it was was there. There we go. All right. So, the Appalachian Trail. We're actually going to start here. Because the reason why I like Enoch, I-, I think, is because he's always been on my heart. Uh, prior to having two kids, uh, I loved hiking. Uh, and uh, this is the famous, famous, famous Appalachian Trail, 2,184 miles, going from Georgia to Maine or Maine to Georgia. Uh, it takes about four months to complete if you're good and fit. So one day I'm going to do this. I don't know if it's going to be when I'm retired or, or what, but I'm going to do it. going to do it. Um, and so when you're on this trail, and I've, I've hiked on this trail multiple days. I think the longest I've ever been out on the trail uh, was about a week. Uh, it is some of the most amazing experiences. Because, one, you meet some really cool people who are just walking and hiking for all random, different, crazy reasons. Okay? I met this one kid. Uh, he, he, would, he was hiking. And um, I asked him why he, he was hiking. He says, well, the Lord told me to hike the Appalachian Trail and to remember, or rather memorize, the book of Matthew. I was like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, all day long. I just have my Bible out. And I'm, I'm hiking, and I'm memorizing the book of Matthew. And I'm like, where are you at? And he's like, you know, Matthew 18 or something like that. And he was about halfway down the trail. It was amazing. You meet some really interesting people. But one of the things with this is that if you hike on the trail for a long period of time, if you're a through hiker, three or more days, uh, what happens here is uh, you're supposed to take on a trail name. It's a way of, like, you get a new name. It's a way of just distancing yourself from civilization. Now, I've always, you know, one of the pieces of conversation on the trail has always been, well, what would your trail name be? And I would be like, oh, I would love my name to be Enoch, right? Just walked with God and was no more. The unfortunate reality is you don't get to pick your own name, right? 
Someone has to give it to you. It's like this, it's like this rite of passage on the Appalachian Trail. Um, but, you know, when you're on the trail, day one, you know, you're thinking about life. You're thinking about things. Day two, something happens. You just stop thinking about work and the things and the things back in suburbia. You're just on this trail and you're just in nature. Eventually, by day three or four, like, you're no longer, like, hankering for, like, a soda and a cheeseburger. I remember, like, by the last, last hours of the hike, you're just, I just want an orange. I want a shower. You know, it's, it's just so nice just to step away. And you realize what's really, really important. Uh, so Enoch, he walked with God, and then he was no more. Um, if we can go to the next slide, and now we're going to start to get into the story a little bit. And before we can understand the profound nature of Enoch, we have to understand always, always, always the context. This may be a little confusing, but I'm going to work, walk you through it. All right, what we have here is on that first little box is Cain is banished to east of Eden. What happens here is when Cain kills his brother Abel, God comes out and tells him, right, you're banished. And, and Cain has to leave uh, Eden, okay? So what happens here is what people don't understand here is that uh, in, there's a land called Eden, and inside of Eden was the Garden of Eden. So there's the Garden of Eden, and then there's Eden. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they were kicked out of the garden. But they were still residing in the land of Eden. And what happens here is when Cain commits the, essentially, the second sin, right? Screws up his second chance. He's kicked out from Eden. And he goes out into the rest of the world and says that he went east of Eden. This famous John Steinbeck uh, uh, book and movie, James Dean. Um, goes east of Eden, and he settles in a land called the land of Nod. Uh, and when he's there in the land of Nod, he begins to build a city. And he builds a city, and, well, this is like man's third chance to get things right. They're building the city, um, which right off the bat is a bad thing. Um, why? Because in the Scriptures, the Lord says to the first of men, you are to go into all of the earth and subdue it. When you build a city, you're not subduing the whole earth. Your man is starting to come together. They're starting to live in the city. We know that when you live in the city, essentially the city is the hallmark of man. You think about New York City. I don't see much God there. Now, okay, God gave us the ability to build skyscrapers, but skyscrapers, Empire State Building, all these unbelievable things are really the hallmarks of man's ability. And so that's why me personally, everyone's different. I mean, everyone sees God in different ways. But when I get out into nature, it's like, man, look at those trees. Look at those mountains. Look at that brook. It's things that God has made. And you can argue that, the, you know, skyscrapers are those things which are made via God because of the abilities he's given us. I get that. But in the scriptures, the same thing happens with the Tower of Babel. Right? They start to come together. They start building a skyscraper, essentially, to reach the heavens. God says, well, they have trying to become like us. We need to go down and disrupt them. Essentially what's happening here is, right, Cain, you're supposed to go into all of the earth and subdue it, and you're not. You're coming together, and you're making this city. Now, what happens here is when you're building and you're living in the things of man, uh, you're not going to have the, the same level of trust and reliance that you have on the Lord. The Father picked a desert people to be a light unto the whole earth, the Hebrews. The reason being is those tent dwellers, those people that live in the desert, 
you have to rely on the goodness of the Lord in a whole other level than in a city. Abraham is taken out of the land of Ur, for example. Going to a land that I haven't even shown you yet. Go out and subdue the earth, he's saying. But when we congregate in cities, maybe not necessarily in the modern age, but especially back then, like, they're getting very comfortable. They're saying, what can we do? We're not going to go out and subdue the whole earth. Now, when this happens, we have this thousand-year period, if you can believe it. From Cain settling the land of Nod to the coming of Noah, there's 1,000 years that takes place. Now, you know the story of Noah, right? Sin has gotten so bad, it's so horrible, and what's going to happen is that God comes, right, and destroys the earth, right, with water. And only Noah's family is saved, and we'll, we'll learn about that next week. But there's this thousand-year period, and there's such little things that are spoken about. A thousand years go by in, in, the, in the biblical record, and the only thing that is mentioned is a list of boring, boring genealogies. This person was born, and then this person was born, and this person was born, and this person was born, and this person was born. And it's trying to almost rush us to the story of Noah. Now, in this thousand-year period, we do know some things are going on. For example, Genesis chapter 5 does say specific things. Uh, one of the descendants of, uh, I believe, Cain or Seth, I think it's Cain, uh, a, a man by the name of Yuval. Uh, He is the one who created musical instruments. He's the father of all instruments. He's the one that figured out how to make music. Uh, In Genesis chapter 5, there's a character by the name of Tubal Cain. Uh, He's the one who begins to forge iron and brass, which will be used for both good and also for evil, war. And then there's a man by the name of Lamech, who it is said that he murders not one man but two men, and then he gloats in it. He's like, if our father Cain has killed one man, there's been judgment on bring on the judgment upon me even more. He's gloating in his power of sin. Those are the three characters that they get some reference to. The rest is just Methuselah was born, and this person was born, and this, and he lived for this long, blah, 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 right? And so they mention these people, and then there comes to a character in the midst of this thousand-year empty space. And five words are said. They honoch Cholech im Elohim. And Enoch walked with God. There's a thousand years that are going by. Nothing is being said. Can you imagine the things that were taking place in the beginning of life, in the beginning of civilization? The things that man had to figure out must have been unbelievable. There's no mention of it. There's no mention of the man who comes up with fire. There's no mention of the man who comes up with all these various things. Is only a mention of a man who walked with God. And so, you know, a question that we have here is that through our life and through our experience, uh, what would be the five words that the Lord attributes to you? David, he was a lover of his children and his wife, and he was a school teacher and a pastor. Okay, that's pretty cool. Five words. There's only two men in the Bible who said, and he walked with God, Enoch and Noah. They're the only ones. Now, this time period, there's, there's, there's some big stuff going on here. We're going to get into a little bit more next week, but there is sin that is just running so rampant on planet Earth. Man is murdering. Man is coming together in cities. There's, I'm sure, a lot of bad things going on. I mean, it gets so bad, this is going to, like, freak some of you guys out, but it's the Bible, right? Uh, Genesis chapter 6, it says 
uh, that the sons of God came down and had intercourse with the daughters of men. It says, then there were giants on earth, and there were mighty men on earth. Most scholars believe that fallen angels in this time period, biblical scholars saying that the reference here, sons of God, and that at the end, there's these mighty men on earth and these giants called Nephilim in Hebrew. That what's going on here is that actually angelic beings are having their way with the daughters of men and creating some type of people. This is why it's so bad. Specifically, God says Noah was pure in all of his generations. Noah is pure in all of his generations. He doesn't have any of this, 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 this bad mojo DNA going on. And so God destroys the whole earth to get rid of this group. People say, where do the giants come from? Who are these mighty men? So a lot of scholars are thinking that what's being referenced here is these sons of God or these fallen angels. All I'm saying is it's getting so bad and so perverse that that kind of stuff is happening. Now, this is important for us to understand with Enoch because we have reference to these days that are approaching of Noah. Uh, and it comes from uh, Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Matthew 24 uh, is known as the Olivet Discourse. Uh, it is the timetable for the end of days. Uh, verse 32 in chapter 24, this is Jesus speaking. He says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pay, pass until all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, no man knows, not even the angels of heaven, but only my Father knows. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah there were people before the flood that were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. What we have here is, you know, the timetable of the end of time, before Jesus comes back to earth. We don't get much understanding of which type of timetables and things are going to take place. But what we do know, we do know, it says that it will be likened unto the days of Noah. And what we mean by that is a couple of things. One of the things that's taking place is, yeah, life is going on as normal and no one realizes that, boom, the trumpet blasts. But there's also a level of sin and evil and disgust and and impurity that is on planet earth that could never even be compared to anything that we're experiencing right now. It has only happened in the days of Noah and the Lord has to destroy the earth with water. And then it says he's coming back to destroy the earth once again, create a new heavens and a new earth likened unto the days of Noah because the sin is so bad. So what I'm trying to encourage you here, kind of sort of with this, is that when the sin was so bad, right on the eve of Noah's life, where God has to destroy the earth, there is one man who says, I'm going to continue to walk with the Lord. If we think, if we dare even comprehend and try to even think that life is really bad and persecution is so bad, fine, you can like look at like a Christian in the Middle East and be like, well, come on. But we also can take a look at the level of sin that is so bad that God has to destroy the earth. And in the midst of that funk, there is one man who says, I'm walking with the Lord. 
That should encourage us. That should encourage us that it's possible. It should encourage us that that's what the Lord wants. Uh, we go to the next slide. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 5. Uh, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him before he went up to heaven. He had his testimony that he pleased God. So what we have here is what do we know uh, about Noah? I'm sorry, about Enoch. Go to that next slide and just break it down nice and easy for you. There's three things. We know uh, that he walked with God. We know that he had his testimony, that he had faith, that he pleased God. And it was so pure and so righteous and so good that Enoch is going to be one of two men that's carried up into heaven and sees not death. Enoch and Elijah, only two men on earth. God spared his life. Sin is so rampant. Sin, I mean, this, this is really like tribulation rapture paradigm here. Life is so bad on planet earth that Enoch, because of his righteousness, because of his faith, is taken up to heaven. He shall be likened unto the days of Noah. The Lord sees him, scoops him up, and brings him up. Right, it's really an end time kind of prophecy that's going on. So what we have here is he is walking with God. And so we said that there's a lot of things that are transpiring. Civilization is advancing. City and the land of Node is, is the hallmark of man. You think about the things that are transpiring. There's some dude that comes up with fire. There's some guy that comes up with the idea of taking seeds and saving seeds and, and having agriculture. It's known as the agricultural revolution. Or in history, it's the Neolithic agricultural revolution that takes place that man is able to Settle and no longer roam around earth. It's someone who figured that out. There's a guy that figures out the wheel. And swords and bows and arrows and javelin and domestication of animals. All this crazy stuff that is so amazing. God's like, whatever. There's a man that walks with me. And that's what matters. So what do we learn? He walked with God. Man, today it's not fire. Today it's not wheels. Today it's, it's unbelievable advancements in technology. Microsoft, Apple's unbelievable advancements in pharmaceuticals. There's GPS. We put a man on the moon. We're about to put men, multiple men, on Mars. There's satellites. There's internet. There's like replaceable parts to the human body. There's all these amazing advancements that take place all around us, which are not bad. But the heart of God is saying when all that's going on, God is not concerned and does not care about Bill Gates. Well, he does care. He wants him saved into his kingdom. But you get what I'm saying? Like, when it's all said and done, man, the earth shall fade away. Goodbye. Gone. New heavens. New earth. All of this stuff that we've built in civilization is going to be nothing. It's all going to burn in fire. And the only thing that matters are those who walk with God. So, you know, what we're learning here, he has this, 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 this walking with God where, where it's like everything's going on, but it did not touch the heart of the Lord. What touched the heart of the Lord is in the midst of all that. There's a guy by the name of Enoch who walked with God. So, walking with God. Part of his testimony, walking with God. 
The prophet Amos, chapter 3, verse 3, says this. Can two walk together unless they are in agreement? How do we walk with God? How do we be like Enoch? Because he speaks. His witness speaks to us. How do we walk like Enoch walked? Amos, the prophet, says you need to be in agreement. You see, what's going on here is, is many of us in our walk, we either want to go ahead of the Lord and be out of pace with him or we are begrudgingly being straggled behind. But he wants a partner. He wants to walk with us. Because that's what he did in the garden, isn't it? Um, God is not just looking for a bride. He's not just looking for a clinging bride that's just like, oh, I just love you, I love you so much. What he's looking for is a bride, but he's also looking for a partner. Someone to walk with. When you walk with another, you are in agreement. You are walking alongside. There's a partnership that takes place. And many of us have this thought process that God is so lofty, he's so great, he's so amazing, that how can I dare walk with him and be with him that he needs me? Look, this is the paradigm that God has created. He wants to partner with you. He wants to use you on planet Earth. It should be like such a rejoicing and and awesomeness that the the creator of all heavens and all earth wants to partner with you. And essentially what we have here is this this notion of God, God in fact wants to walk with you before he walks through you. Now, what I mean by God wants to walk with you before he starts to manifest himself through you. So many of us are like, God, where are you? Where's your power? Where's your demonstration of power? Where's the anointing? Where's the fire? Where's the healing? Where's all this kind of stuff? How come it's not happening? You you see, he wants to walk with you. We, We want to see him work in partnership and agreement with us. We need to learn to walk with him. Get to know his pace. Um, go to the last slide. Uh, there's this book called Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorge. Um, I read it years ago. Michelle read it a little while ago. Uh, it's a really beautiful book that's just talking about the, the notion of, of dwelling with the Lord and walking. One of the things that he says is that we want to see God. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I just said that, but. Uh, one of the things he says is when we walk with God, we enter the dimension where God unfolds the secret of his kingdom. When we walk with God, we are entering and learning the secrets of the dimensions of his kingdom. You know, when we have fellowship with the Lord, if we really dwell with him, we start to see what it's like to be with him and see his notion of, of, of his realities and what he wants to do in the kingdom of God on earth. And so, you know, the questions here are great, Dave. These are all, like, kind of cool things. Uh, But how do we make this all happen? We need to walk with the Lord. How do we make that happen? Well, Enoch, Hanoch in Hebrew is uh, dedicated. Same word as Hanukkah, the feast of dedication. Enoch dedicated himself to the Lord. He's saying, I want to do the things that you want me to do. I want to walk with you. All of man is running rampant, doing all these cool things, but I just want to be with you. I'm dedicating my life to you, my cares to you, my desires to you. Everything is yours, Lord, because I want to be one with you. 
And that moved the Lord's heart so much. I don't know what moved the Lord more. That he's like, oh, Enoch is walking so close to me with him that I'm just going to give him his wish. I'm going to bring him up to heaven so he can continue to walk with me in even deeper ways. Or is it, and this is my personal opinion, that the Lord's heart is so touched by this man who just chooses to be dedicated and to be in agreement in the things of the Lord when, when so much sin is running rampant. I mean, the most ultimate form of sin on planet Earth that he has to destroy it. That just one man, he's like, my heart is touched. I want to be with him. That's the love of the Father on us. He wants to partner and walk with us so much. Um, if we can have the worship team for one minute. So we have a man who is walking with the Lord in the midst of such trials, tribulations, and sin. He chose the things of the Lord. He chose to be in agreement with what God had in store for his life. God's purposes. He said, how do we do this? We do this by making a conscious decision that we want to dedicate our life and our, our being unto the Lord. We don't rush Him. We don't rush ahead to try to do things in our own strength. But Enoch also had faith. Hebrews chapter 11, you already heard today, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Part of Enoch's testimony is not just the fact that he dedicated himself unto the Lord in the midst of all these trials in planet earth. But by faith we believe that he is. But it's not just believe that he is. Now, a lot of people stop there. A lot of people say, I have faith that God is. Praise the Lord, brother. But the scriptures go on, and we have a tendency to want to stop. Oh, it's impossible to please God without faith. Amen. By faith we are saved. Amen. But what does it say here? But without faith it is impossible to please him. This is what Enoch knew and understood. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and they must believe. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's not a matter of just believing that he is. It's a matter of believing like Ramon. Lord, I know I'm a son of the most high God. And I know that you're going to provide for me. It's not enough just to believe that he is. It's more to believe that he is. And that he will reward us when we seek him. And the reward is not just monetary. The reward is to be people that walk with God with an anointing and a power of the Holy Ghost to change this world upside down. But you have to believe that He is. You have to believe that He's a rewarder and you have to believe in diligently seeking. Now many of us have faith and many of us want the reward but many of us don't want the grunt work of diligently seeking. I'm not trying to make a striving mentality. It's not about what you do, but here's the reality. You want to walk with God. You want to be more than his bride. You want to be a partner with him. You got to believe in faith that he is. You got to believe and understand that he is a rewarder for me as I diligently seek him. You see, there's been a misconception 
of these notions in the Western Christian world. How do we walk with God in this matter? There's faith and there's humility. Faith and humility. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has showed you, O mortal. You mere mortal. He's already showed you what he wants. He's showed you what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? There's this bad, bad, whacked out notion of humility in the church. For people that think that, 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 that humbleness is, is this, this notion of I'm not good enough. There are people in the church that believe that humbleness and humility is, is, is I'm not allowed to have. I need to, you know, walk around in sackcloth and ashes. I'm not good enough. Like God could never love me. Blah, 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 blah. That's not true humility. In fact, what that is is just a new form of polishing pride. You believe that much about you that you're not good enough, that the pure, spotless blood of the Lamb of God that was shed at the foundation of the earth is not good enough for you to pick you up out of your pity, to pick you out of your difficulty. Holy cow, how prideful are you that you're not good enough? You're not good enough in front of a holy God who gave up his son to buy and purchase you because all he desires and all he wants is to walk with you like he walked with Enoch and Noah and Adam. But false humility is, my voice is not good enough, Lord, to worship you. My brain is not intelligent enough to preach of your word. I have too much sin in my life and too much baggage. How dare you, you mortal man, believe that you are that prideful cannot submit yourself to the humility of the love of the living God. His blood purchases it all. That's how we humble ourselves. Lord, it's you. It's not me. If it's me, I, it's not going to happen. Connectedness to things that we've studied in the past because all this is coming together. The reality here is this. How do you understand humility? The only way you will under, understand humility is if you go back and you listen to the messages and you pray into and you read the scriptures about identity. He can't be a rewarder to me. Yes, he is because you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You have to understand who you are. You're not just some sinner. You're not just some person. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus. You are a son and daughter. And if your son or daughter asks for bread, am I going to give him a rock? Of course not. Humility is understanding your appropriate place in the kingdom. Your appropriate place in who you are. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. you got to know your identity. You want to walk with God? In the midst of the, the craziness of this world, you got to understand who you are, people. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. Doesn't matter what my coworkers say. Doesn't matter what my boss says. Doesn't matter what my spouse says. Doesn't matter what my friends say. Doesn't matter what the world tries to say to me. I am a son of the Most High God. I'm a priest. You're a priest. You're going to be judging over nations. 
and angels. Oh, glory. That's what it means to be a son. Oh. Identity, identity, identity. Humility to walk with the Lord. The next piece of this puzzle is the faith. Faith brings faithfulness and loyalty. The Lord is looking for people that are faithful. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I have no money in the bank account, but I know that you want to take care of my family and give me a home. Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't like my job. I don't this. Whatever, whatever thing, just be faithful to what God has for you, what he's doing in your life. He wants to see people that, that when you walk on a trail, when you walk on the Appalachian Trail, you got to cross a river, you got to climb a mountain. God is like, are you coming or not? The mountain in your life, the river, the river forging, the crossing over, whatever you're going through, Jesus is walking saying, are you coming or not? Are you faithful to believe that he's taking you to the places that he has in store for you? Amen? Oh, Jesus. I want to be a bride that is found worthy. I want to be a bride that is ready, 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 ready for the great trumpet blast in the air. That he could bring me up and call me up just like Noah, just like you. So how do we get the faithfulness? How do we get all of this? Guys, it's all about practicing the presence. Right? Identity and practicing the presence. You want to be faithful? You want to be loyal to the Lord? I don't know how you're going to do it yet. What do you want? A three-step plan. Like, step one, you know, do this. You know, I, I, I mock this and I say this a lot at, at the pulpit. But our brains want this, like, A plus B equals C mentality. Oh, practicing the present, just, we just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I want revelation of who you are. If you're my daddy and this is what I'm asking for, I'm not asking for a million dollars. I'm asking, let me see your face. Oh, he's so going to bring it. He's so going to bring it. It's, it's practicing the presence. It's saying, Lord, I want to know you. I want more of the spirit of the living God in my life. I want you to wreck me. I want you to change me. I want you to shut off the TV and pull my heart on my knees just to, just to yearn for your presence. Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. This is God speaking. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Long life. Not 40, not 50, not 60. We're talking 80, 90, 100. Long life. I shall show him my salvation. Enoch dwelled in the secret place of Moses. He dwelled so close to the Father's heart that he sowed into the heart of the Father. Talking about sowing into soil, sow into the heart. Minister to the Lord. Just cry out to him and say, oh, Jesus, I want to walk with you. He may be like, wow, this is the first time I've ever heard you say this to me. Lord, Jesus, I just want to walk with you. I want to know your humility. I want to know your presence. The secret place is fellowship with the Lord. It's the walking with him. How do we do it? Those who didn't pick up on it. How do we do it? How do we bear the testimony of, of 
Enoch. In the midst of the chaos of the world, I stand strong and faithful and loyal to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because I walk with him. I know him. I know him my daddy's voice. We understand the notion of humility, true humility. There's nothing apart from him. That he is everything. That you have a new identity. You are son and daughter who is not to just necessarily get carried up with the things of the world, the civilization of man. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus. The kingdom is at hand. We focus on the presence of the Lord. We focus on Him. We focus on who He is. He's calling forth to us to walk with Him, to minister to His heart, to look at the major advancements in science and say, yeah, that's pretty cool, but can I tell you about a man named Jesus? Oh, Lord, let us be like Enoch. Right now, oh, Jesus, let us have hearts that desire 365-year life that just says, I just want to walk with you. Let us have hearts that look at the things of the world and just says, no, Jesus, I just want you. Humble us, Lord. Change our hearts. Change our hearts, Lord. To just be wrecked, completely wrecked by the goodness and the knowledge of made ready. Like I, guys, I know, man. I know. Like, look, we're saved, man. You call upon the name of Jesus, you're saved. You have life eternal. Life eternal. But I want to be a bride that is so radiant. Who's been transformed from glory to glory. Do we see Christ Jesus face to face? Lord, just teach us to be faithful. Teach us to be loyal. Why don't we stand? Which song are you guys doing? the board at four o'clock and we'll see everyone else at five. I just encourage you. If your step with the Lord has, you know, stumbled a little bit. We just want to pray for you. You know, if your heart is being stirred, you're saying, man, putting a little too much attention on the civilization of of man not on the garden not with walk with the Lord just come on down we'll just pray with you we'll stand with you we love you Lord (laughs) we love you Lord Father, I pray right now, I pray right now that those that are just hung up on this self-mutilation mentality, this mentality that, you know, 
they were a drug dealer, they were a drug addict, they always will be a drug addict. We pray right now the Holy Ghost would just reveal to them that they're more than that. They're more than that. They're, 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 they're a son and daughter of the Most High God. The person that has the thoughts right now, right now, that, you know what? You know what? I've, I've been depressed and I'll always be depressed. It's just the, the way I was made. No, 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 no. We pray and speak against that and say, Oh, son and daughter of the Most High, arise. Son and daughter of the Most High, arise. As Jesus said, <laughs> Talita kumi, arise, little one. Arise, little one. We just speak forth. We speak forth to the spiritual men and women inside of our souls. As Psalmist David says, Oh, oh, son of man. Oh, soul inside of me. Why are you beaten down? Arise up for your hope comes from God. Psalm 45. We speak forth to the, to the spiritual sons and daughters inside of us, the spiritual beings. We say it's time to arise. It's time to arise. It's time to arise. God again. Yes, Jesus, you're so good. Oh, let's just worship the Lord. Feel free to, to leave if, if you need be or if you're feeling it. We're just going to worship. Come on down if you want some prayer. We'll see you at five. Uh, but let's just try to keep the sanctuary a place of, of holiness. Is there any kind of talking and fellowship? Awesome. We love it. God loves it. Just do it out in the lobby, you know what I mean? So we can just worship and pray. Amen? Have a wonderful week. See you in a couple hours.